Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? I'm Noah Daniels, and we're for the Real Hauntings podcast. Hey, guys, I'm Kat. And I'm JJ. And we're here for some gobble gobble goodness. It's the Thanksgiving episode. Already, it's already that time again, guys. Get excited. JJ, was that your turkey noise? Yeah, that was my attempt to do a turkey call. Can you do it again? <laughs> no, it's so bad. Yeah, there's I, in my yard now. I feel like I grew up in a place where the, a lot of people hunted for fun and could legitimately do really good turkey calls. And so I feel like I just disrespected all of those people. So I'm sorry if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys are full on turkey or whatever it is you like to enjoy on Thanksgiving. And we have some cool stories for you today. The idea was kind of like haunted homes, haunted houses, haunted families. Since, you know, Thanksgiving, most people are at home. Normally, most people are probably at home with their families. I don't know. This year with COVID, um, I will not be at home with my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And many of you listening probably in the same boat. Kat and JJ, what about you guys? What are y'all doing for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we're trying to keep it low-key, the same. Yeah, I think we might eat uh, Thanksgiving food in our driveway with uh, another couple and their baby. So, you know, just normal Thanksgiving (laughs) stuff. That's good. For sure. Well, who wants to go first on their haunted Thanksgiving tale? I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, so in the spirit of Thanksgiving and in normal times when we gather around family, I have uh, looked up a alleged ghost story about a family that uh, all got murdered together, as well as two kids who were uh, just spending the night. Um, and, so fun. Yeah, so fun. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. If you're going to get murdered, at least do it with as a family. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so this is known as the Velisca Axe Murders. Mm. Um, and this Velisca is just like a, a real small town out in Iowa. And in 1912... Uh, six members of the Moore family, as well as two little girls who were spending the night at their house, friends of their daughters, were bludgeoned in their sleep by a Max Erder. Max Erder? Sorry, y'all. I heard of that guy. (laughs) Really affected by the story. Uh, By an axe murderer. The murderer was never caught. Police had a number of suspects. What they think happened was... Uh, this family was going to like some kind of evening church service. They were out at this church service and no one in this town apparently like locked their doors because it was just like this kind of small town. And so they think someone broke into their house, hid in the attic because later the police found cigarette butts in the attic Mm. and waited till nightfall and then murdered everyone in their sleep uh, with an ax. 
And today it's a lovely little bed and breakfast that you can stay at if you're going to Villisca, Iowa. And a lot of people who have uh, stayed there claim to have had some kind of encounter with the paranormal. Some people say they hear children laughing. Uh, some people here, they say children playing. And the weird thing is there's like a lot of kids toys in the bedrooms and you like tour the bedrooms. And like some of the stuff is like period toys, like those creepy dolls that, um, you know, we've had haunted dolls on this podcast before. Some of them are like modern toys though. Like there was like a toy Pokeball underneath one of the beds from the pictures I saw. So I don't know if like people come and bring like offerings toys. yeah i don't know um that'd be sweet though if they did do you know uh, what was the year you said that this happened it was in 1912 yeah because i know there's like through now this was more in the southeast uh especially like through louisiana and new orleans there was a supposed axe murdering serial killer do you know did it mention if if those may have been linked together so I don't know about that specifically, but um, so they never found the murderer. There are some people who think there, because I guess later there were very similar axe murders committed and that guy was found. And so some people, so some people think that maybe those murders were connected. There's also popular theory that a traveling preacher killed them. Um, and this, guy this traveling preacher was apparently like later in life found to have had a history of sexual assault and sexual yes. violence it seemed like he had like an alibi because uh, i guess he was he was at the church service that they were also at i think there's like six theories of who killed them but no one was ever convicted so is this a place where people go and stay to experience supernatural events or is it just like a bed and breakfast where like random people have reported to have experienced paranormal events. No, this is like the sole tourist attraction, the town of Villisca. Like this is a town out in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, apparently. And uh, people come to this town, stay at this B&B specifically for the experience of like trying to encounter someone who's murdered in this horrific, horrific attack, which is really creepy to me. Like one part of me wants to go there and stay the night the other part of me thinks it's like kind of disgusting that that's yeah. like a tourist attraction like it's these super morbid are... i could see how people get curious about that yeah. but i i don't know i'm with you that might be a little more than what i could and apparently from what i've read about this place is you know all these people come and claim to have had paranormal encounters and now this is the little side in me where the skeptic gets to be kind of excited very little people in the town actually like buy that there's ghosts there but they all know about it of course and so a lot of kids in the town it's reported when they know people are staying overnight at the B&B will come and bang on the windows at night <laughs> to try to spook the people mm. who are staying in the Airbnb. So maybe oh. people have had experiences at this Airbnb or not, it's not an Airbnb, it is a B&B or other similar places. Maybe that is a reason that just some punk ass kids are trying to scare you. That reminds me, Kat, have you seen the uh, TikToks where people will be using like Ouija boards and like the mom will go downstairs and cut all the lights off on the breaker and then like cut them back off? Oh, yeah. And then you hear like just screaming upstairs. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. And so primarily, I guess, is the supernatural alleged children hauntings is that the primary source of hauntings that people report some of the main things that were reported were like hearing kids laugh hearing kids scream which is terrifying yeah that's scary um i think just you know 
banging on the walls, um, which maybe just some kids' footsteps, things like that. Yeah. Oh, and there's some photos too that like people have taken that claim to like spotted paranoia activity. So like in one photo, paranoia activity. Par- <laughs> That's what I had before the election. Oh my gosh. Didn't we all? Uh, paranormal activity. So one photo shows you can see a little girl in a window, which I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like, is it, is it fate though? You know, how do you, how do you trust any of this really? Also to spend the night at this place, it's like $400 a night. Wow. To our listeners who are thinking about uh, donating to our patron, if you would like us to do a podcast episode from a place like that, then you should probably donate to our patron. Yes. Patreon. Is it patron or Patreon? This is how little I know. About paternity. paternity. <laughs> it's a paternity to <laughs> Donate to our paternity fund. <laughs> the three of us are uh, collaboratively going to raise a <laughs> We're all becoming fathers. We're all yeah. becoming fathers. I'll be the best father. That's for I agree. Sure. I'm gonna be the fun dad. The fun dad. Okay, Noah's literally the only father here. So. <laughs> He's. Like, I'll be the tired dad because that seems to be my <laughs> what I am usually. Awesome. Well, JJ, do you have anything else on your story? Just that uh, I was fascinated and also sad. Well, Kat, your story is like super chill and sweet and heartwarming after that axe murdering story, right? Yeah, it's super, super exciting. She's probably more famously known as a a family murderer. Her name is Lizzie Borden. Um, There's a lot of speculation whether she really killed her family or or not. So I figured we just go through the facts and we can just solve it right now. I'm glad you chose that one because I'm a little embarrassed to admit, like, I know we've it's come up on the podcast before, um, especially the episode that we did at Devin's house. I really don't know very much about Lizzie Borden, but like the name I know 100%, but I don't know the background. So I'm kind of excited to find out what is going on there. Yeah, yeah I mainly just know the nursery rhyme. What is a nursery, nursery rhyme? rhyme? It's, I learned this. It was on an episode of Smart Guy, but apparently it's older than that as well. It goes, Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave, and sorry if there are spoilers in this. There might be spoilers to the real story, but. I think it's okay. Okay, it goes, Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax, saw the thing that she had done, gave her father 41. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well. So, spoiler warning, but. So she was born in like 1860. I think this is in Massachusetts, like Fall River, Massachusetts, if any of us know where that is. I'm also reading off something, so we can make sure we have all the facts. Do some good tree peeping down there. <laughs> what? Tree peeping. You guys don't go what leaf peeping when the, when the leaves turn colors? Like we looking don't call at, it tree Like peeping. you're going to look at the leaves change, not... Yeah, so like in the Midwest, people go and like when the leaves change colors, they all get in their cars and go stare at the trees and they call it leaf peeping. Okay, I am from the Midwest. You are from Alabama? From Uh, Mississippi. Mississippi, that's worse. Um, We do not say tree peeping. That sounds like you're watching the trees change like undress you are you're watching them change leaves the same uh, he has oh, a point okay. there jj yeah that is a good point actually okay so she was the daughter of a mother and a father but the Absolutely. mother died and the father and the father's name was andrew got remarried to someone named abby lizzie had a sister named emma so basically they were raised 
in a household with their father and their stepmother. So I think things were pretty good. The dad had a great job. They were pretty wealthy. They um, hired like husband, wife, servant couples to kind of help them run the house. And uh, they left the house to like Lizzie and Emma to kind of take care of when the dad was working. I think the, and the sisters were really close, but the relationship between the sisters and their stepmother, Abby, was not close. They always called her Mrs. Borden. They were worried that Abby's family sought to gain access to the father's money. So they thought, just like a typical stepmother story, she was only married for the money. For the money, yeah. They all went to church together, lived their normal lives. But on the morning of August 4th, 1892... Andrew and Abby were murdered and mutilated in their Fall River home. Lizzie's the one that found them, and she alerted the maid, who the maid was apparently asleep during this, and the neighbors had seen Lizzie outside when this apparently happened. The father had been attacked and killed while sleeping on the sofa, and a search of the home led to the discovery of Abby in an upstairs bedroom. So like her husband, Abby was the victim of a brutal hatchet attack. And they kind of describe Lizzie's dad as like, you just couldn't even recognize him in the face. He was so bashed in. Is a hatchet a small axe? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Another like, uh, axe story. Gary Paulson yeah. uh, novels, The Hatchet. Okay. Immediately, the policemen suspected Lizzie because Emma was out of town. The sister was out of town. She, they suspected her, but she wasn't taken in. Sister was out of town. Um, during the week between the murders and her arrest, Lizzie had burned a dress. So everyone was like, clearly, she must have been wearing that dress. Like she was trying to get rid of the evidence? Yeah. Lizzie said it was because it was stained with paint. Okay, hold on, though. <laughs> if you had spilled paint on your dress... You burn it. Does it make sense to burn it, or would you just throw it away? They're going to find it. If they're looking for evidence. But if it, right. So if you innocently spilled paint on your dress. Oh, paint, right. Right. Like, yeah, of course, if you have blood on your dress, you want to burn that, get right. rid of the evidence. Right. So this is how to get away with murder, the podcast. Mm -hmm. that it says that really she helpful. was like uh, indict, indict, indicted. 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 <laughs> indicted <laughs> with a paternity test. So that means that she got off. She was indicted. It means they arrested her. And then her trial got really popular. She didn't take the stand for her own defense. Testimony provided by everyone else was inconclusive. So she was acquitted of all the murders and no one else was ever charged with the crime. So Lizzie and Emma inherited a significant portion of the father's estate, which allowed them to purchase a new home together. They lived together for the following decade. They were all free and everything, but the neighbors still believed Lizzie had done it. So her reputation was pretty tarnished. She was accused of shoplifting a couple of times, all this kind of stuff. But if you did get away with murder, you would probably feel okay about getting away with shoplifting. They made her wear like a scarlet letter S. Yeah, for shoplifting. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lizzie died of pneumonia in 1927. Emma Borden died days later. And so I was looking up about the current house, and it is up as an Airbnb. I found this really cool glimpse of... Lizzie's life on Reddit, this woman's grandmother were like the husband and wife couple that worked for Lizzie's dad, like at the house, taking care of the house. Mm -hmm. Oh, like they were like the helper or like the, the maid? Caretaker. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. And she said her whole life growing up, whenever her grandparents talked about this story, it was just like, oh, she killed them. Like there was no question. Like they knew something. Wow. You know, 
but uh, no one else knew. But she mentioned that Lizzie was treated really poorly by her mother, by her stepmother, and by her father, who was known around town to be kind of a SOB, son mm. of a bitch. So I looked up the Airbnb, and... Is it an Airbnb, or is it just a B&B? I think it's both. I mean, it's a B&B, but I think you can get it on Airbnb. Anyways, so people go there specifically for this, and this person was like, it's not for the faint of heart. We stayed overnight in the actual room where the father was killed. It's so weird to me how, like, I guess this is the thing that, like, if someone got murdered a really long time ago and it became a famous thing that like it turns into a B&B. <laughs> it is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I mean, this whole review is super long and it's basically saying like they felt really comfortable during the tour, but at night, like at midnight and past that 3 a.m., like they didn't want to go anywhere out of their room. Uh, they felt really uncomfortable where they were. They had to keep the lights on, only slept for like two hours. I'm kind of like team lizzie regardless if she killed them or not honestly (laughs) even if she was a murderer you know what go girl it sounds like maybe there weren't there weren't enough details for us to know but she probably was like felt really trapped and felt like she was probably like emotionally abused hopefully not physically abused but it just seemed like a kind of a trap for her yeah um and in that time like they would not. They would have nothing if he had died, and and the stepmother had gotten everything. She probably I mean, wouldn't. What I mean, you know how people are like super gossipy and shit, and like, what if she really didn't kill him and that or kill yeah. them, and then like you know, but you know, people start a rumor regardless, and it just like keeps snowballing, keeps snowballing year after year. And now we're like two hundred years into the future, and of course we're all convinced that she killed them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know you were saying those people on Airbnb said they felt really uncomfortable when um, Johnny D talked about it. He said that they felt so uncomfortable that they kind of rushed out of the home. That was where Johnny D uh, had his haunted house story. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Sure, yeah. 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 So that must be a common thing there, but who knows if that's like a placebo effect or if it's, you know, legitimately some kind of spirit. Or those darn kids banging on the windows. (laughs) Well, I also continued the theme of family. And my source primarily was the BuzzFeed Unsolved Network. I'm not sure if you guys have seen those videos where they go in and kind of do like a paranormal investigation. One of the guys kind of reminds me of JJ. He's very skeptical. And the other one is like uh, much more so like a believer. So I watched a video they did on this location. And I also just kind of looked on Wikipedia and some other like-minded websites. My story is about the Winchester Mystery House. Uh, it's kind of cool. I didn't really, I'd never heard of this. Time Magazine named it as one of the most haunted places in the country, which is kind of neat. The Winchester Mystery House is located in San Jose, California. Uh, it was once the residence for Sarah Winchester, who is the famed widow of the creator of the Winchester rifle, which a lot of people give credit to that rifle. It's kind of like how the West was won. Um, so it killed a lot of people because it, it, it was able, you were able to like, just keep like shoot, click, shoot, click, shoot, click. And up to that point, I think it was like a lot harder to reload or whatever, but it gave you a big advantage having this specific rifle. This was like a rifle made for genocide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, it killed a lot of people, which kind of goes into the haunting. So once her husband passed away, she moved to this home in San Jose. But we'll get to that in a minute. 
Sarah. I think that rhyme. Thank you for, is the rest of your story going to rhyme? The whole thing. Yeah. Very sing-songy. So Sarah, her daughter, unfortunately, passed away um, pretty tragically at a young age. She died with a disease called marasmus. It's M-A-R-A-S-M-U-S. And it's essentially when your body wastes away as a child, you can't um, get nutrition for whatever reason. So after her daughter passed away, her husband shortly passed away as well. And he died of pulmonary tuberculosis. So she was like, fuck this. I'm getting out of this place. I don't like the vibe. I don't like the energy here. I'm moving to San Jose. Now, the thing is, when her husband died, she got the whole estate. So she got $25 million. So I'm curious to see what you guys think on this. So how much was $25 million worth in the late 1800s? Oh, God. That has to be like over a billion dollars now, right? Cat. Oh, <laughs> my brain went backwards and I was like $10,000, <laughs> but like for us now. Right. So that's half a billion dollars. You guys were, you know, in the neighborhood, 10,000, a billion. We'll meet in the middle. Caught I, I was only off by 500 million. Cat one, if we're going by prices, right rules. <laughs> so she basically chose a dollar. So between getting uh, the money that off of selling the Winchester rifles and the money from um, like the stocks in the company, it was really closer to a billion dollars. She was essentially being paid like a thousand dollars a day just from the stocks in the company. So she moved out West, got this huge estate. Okay, so this is where things get weird. And I really encourage everyone to go either watch a video on this home or click through pictures because I had never seen anything like this. So at the time she built it, it was seven stories. Okay, and we're just gonna read you a little bit about the work. Seven stories. So what year is this again? Late 1800s. I think so, seven stories ever. Yeah, but like how big were the stories? Back Huge. It was, it was giant. So here's a little bit about the home. So carpenters were hired and worked on the house day and night until it became a seven-story mansion. The home contains numerous oddities such as doors and stairs that go nowhere, windows overlooking other rooms, and stairs with odd-sized risers. There are roughly 161 rooms, including 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, 47 fireplaces, over 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chimneys, and two basements and three elevators in the home. This house sounds like a, a mix of like the movie Labyrinth and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So, JJ, I'm glad you said that. I was just about to say the home is literally a labyrinth. So when you watch the videos of it and everything, everything twists and turns. Stairways literally just lead right up to the ceiling of certain parts of the home. Oh hey, hey, what's a labyrinth? It's a um, maze. Right. And also like oh. an amazing Jim Henson movie starring David Bowie. Which I only saw this past year. I've clearly um, seen it. It's pretty good. It's kind of weird, but it's good. It's amazing. It's so, the film I would say ever made. Yeah, that's that's a, what. <laughs> Look out, Citizen Kane. Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. But it is it's really good, fun. and for the time, it's it's really interesting. But I, I was like super into it as a kid. They used to play it on the Disney Channel. Y'all never saw it as kids. No, I just saw it this year. Yeah. So one weird thing about the home too, there's doors that if you open and walk out, you literally fall out of the house. Like they're just, the door opens and you fall like five stories to your death. So it's like a, a cartoon, like a Looney Tunes cartoon. She yeah. sounds kind of amazing. Like well, 
so the question is like, why did she do all this? Right. That's super bizarre. I mean, granted you got all this money, but it's a little wacky to build this labyrinth home. So she went to a Boston medium uh, who was really famous at the time. And he contacted her deceased husband and her, the, her dead husband, William spoke through the medium. And so he told her that the reason that she had all these tragedies that he died and her daughter, their daughter died as well, were because all their money was made off of blood money and the, off of these Winchester rifles. And he warned her that vengeful ghosts would seek her out in order and would seek her out. And in order to protect herself, her husband told her that she must build a home for herself and for the spirits who have fallen from this terrible weapon. Ah. And that if she wanted to live, she could never stop construction on the home or she would die. I really, uh, really, really hope that that happens to like, like these fossil fuel industry families now today, just like that they get haunted by polar bears or. You know. Just like out in Texas, there's these like 12 story homes with doors opening out to the garden. I love that. You know? it's, it's justice. All right. So you she gets, she gets this information, right. And she employs all these carpenters and they end up splitting shifts. So where the construction literally never stops. It goes day and night, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. What do you mean, what do you mean they end up splitting shifts? So, so she hired a, essentially a construction crew. And the crew would split shifts. Half half of them would work during the day. The other half would work during oh, the night. Oh, I got. I see. Did she have neighbors? That would be the worst thing. Well, the estate was so big. I mean, it it took up such a huge plot of land that she was the neighborhood. Gotcha. Like, that's how big the estate was. And so this continued for thirty eight years. Um, the work no only. She had have construction going on for thirty eight years. Yeah. Yeah, and the only wor uh, the work only stopped on September the fifth, nineteen twenty-two, because um, the octogenarian mastermind behind the home died of a heart failure in her sleep. Octogenarian. What is it? Shoot, octogenarian. That's, that's when somebody's in their eighties, and oh, wow. this is what how JJ described himself to me when we first started dating, and I didn't know what it was, and I was like, oh, fun, like. He's been, yeah. he's got so much going on. For our <laughs> listeners out there, that literally is true. I am over 80 years <laughs> They know, yeah. they've been checking out your Instagram. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's said that upon hearing of Sarah's death, the carpenters quit so abruptly that they left hammered nails protruding from the walls in the home. So after she passed away, they were like, screw this, we're done working on this house 24 seven, right? So there's some weird little facts about Sarah and this home. Some we've already covered, but this is kind of a, a spooky fact. So among there's tons of also secrets in the home, like secret passageways and all kind of like crazy stuff. But she was obsessed with the number 13. The house has many 13 paned windows, 13 paneled ceilings, as well as 13 step stairways. Even her wheel had 13 parts and she signed it 13 times. And there's also 13 bathrooms, which contain 13 sets of windows within those 13 bathrooms. Wow. And nobody knows why she was so obsessed with the number 13. But she also had a room in the home um, that I saw in that BuzzFeed video where it was literally just made to contact spirits. It was this giant room and it was where she would go in to talk to the spirits. So I read all this, I watched these videos and I was like, okay, that's cool. But like, is it haunted? Right? Like, 
That's what we're here. This is a real haunting podcast. So I've got a couple little tales of hauntings from people that have visited or worked there. This person was working on the home and said several years ago, um, this guy was working on a restoration project in the mansion. He started his day early in the morning in a section with several fireplaces known as the Hall of Fires. The house was dead quiet before tours got underway. And he was working up on the ladder and he felt somebody tap him on the back and he turned around. Of course, nobody was there. You know, he told himself, "Eh, it's just in my head, Uh, you know, it's nothing. He went back to work only to feel somebody shove him in the back, almost off his ladder. And he said, screw this, that's enough. And he just straight up left the home. The lady that owned the house actually died in her bedroom. So it's supposed to be like super haunted. And so this tour guide was in there. They take visitors through there. And this is another interesting fact. In 1906, there was an earthquake and a lot of the home was damaged. And Sarah was trapped in her bedroom. Like all the stuff literally fell down around her bedroom. Like she probably should have died, but it was like she was protected in there, but she was trapped. So they were in that room and the uh, tour guide heard somebody in the room, but there was, wasn't supposed to be anybody there. So she called out thinking that one of the guests had gone in there and nobody responded. And she said, just as her eyes adjusted to the darkened hallway, she saw a small dark person slowly emerge gliding around the corner. She said she quickly stepped out around the corner and then it was gone. But then she heard a deep sigh and she kept hearing this deep sigh. And then she left. She got freaked out. Um, And she said that it was Sarah probably getting pissed off that she had people, you know, touring her home or whatever. People have also reported seeing like doorknobs just randomly turn in the home as they walk through it. Wow. Filling cold spots, which we've heard before in like these kind of haunted homes. And they also see like apparitions. There's like this famous apparition everybody sees, ghost named Clyde, who was like one of the people who worked in the home for a really, really long time to the point where like on a tour, the one of the people touring went up to the tour guide and was like, hey, there's somebody doing repairs down in the ballroom. And she was like, no, we don't have any repairmen working. And then she described the person and the lady was like, oh yeah, this is actually it. And she's like, oh, that's Clyde. He's one of the resident ghosts. Don't worry about it. Wow. Uh, so creepy stuff, right? Okay, but if, let's say you worked at that place, wouldn't you just say that anytime someone was like, hey, there's a dude over here. Just be like, Oh yeah, the ghost. Yeah, and and so like you know that's the thing with these places that are making a huge profit off of the hauntings, right? Uh, and when the BuzzFeed guys were in there, they of course didn't see anything. Uh, the most like haunting they got was from using a spirit box, which you know take that for what you want. They hear who, voices. Who are these BuzzFeed guys, by the way? You would like it, JJ. It's BuzzFeed Unsolved Network, and I know our audience likes them a lot because I've had people. Yeah, no, I hear. So many of our guests before we start were like, oh, I love those BuzzFeed guys. We're not the BuzzFeed guys. We don't know. Like, we had this shtick before that, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, (laughs) BuzzFeed back (laughs) up over there. Well, I mean, I would like to agree with you, but I think they started in 2016. Um, (laughs) But I I do appreciate your enthusiasm. I just Uh, assumed that because I hadn't heard of them before. But no, it's it's Shane and Ryan. And I definitely recommend it for our fans that haven't ever checked it out. And for JJ, JJ is definitely a Shane. I would say Kat and I are much more Ryans. And let us know what you guys think. Who do you think we remind you of? In their video, the only thing, they they hear some footsteps, they hear a voice, and then they hear some stuff in the spirit box. But it's kind of in conclusive mm-hmm. now one thing that's interesting about this home houdini visited and apparently houdini did this big tour to disprove 
hauntings. He did not believe in ghosts. He didn't, he thought that everybody was making it up very much a JJ. However, this home is one of the only homes that he visited that he never reported on. So he went there and he never spoke about it. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I bet he like literally met Sarah. Maybe. Uh, maybe he had sex with the ghost. And then they made a movie uh, called The Winchester in 2018. I was excited after doing all this research to find that out. And then I went to Rotten Tomato and it was a 13%. Uh, so I don't think I'll be checking it out. But fans, let us know what you think. 13. So yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's the story of the Winchester Mystery House. I'm wondering, like, I mean, was there, did you read anything else about, like, the number 13? Because I know, like, you know, people say it's an unlucky number. I'm sure it has like some meaning in like numerology or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that like hotels, um, because people are so superstitious, they just leave it out of their their uh, count on floors, which is kind of yeah. Weird. And I think theaters too, like don't have like a seat 13 in most. Oh, really? Theater. Yeah, I think they usually just go like 12 and then 14. Hmm. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know. We should, uh, maybe a future episode, we can do a deep dive on the number 13. That's our family stories. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, fun stories for the whole family. To, <laughs> you know, if, if you're uh, sharing your audio over your Zoom call with your family, just go ahead and put this podcast on and remind your family of the times your families could get together in person and murder each other with axes. And the good news is, if you can travel into the future, you can just put your home up as an Airbnb and make a ton of money off of it. There you go. It's a great everything, idea. Everything comes full circle. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we uh, certainly want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, no matter when you're listening to this, I don't care if it's December, January, February, happy Thanksgiving. And thanks for checking out our podcast. You may have heard JJ mention Patreon. We do have a Patreon coming. I mean, it's going to be patreon.com slash real hauntings. So check it out. There's going to be all kind of cool stuff on there and ways for you all to support us. If you don't want to do Patreon, please go to iTunes, look up Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories, leave us a rating review. I know it seems silly, but that really goes a long way for us. It goes a long way for all podcasts, and we certainly appreciate it. And remember, this is a Patreon, and we're not making you pay money to the patriarchy. Or for a paternity test. Or the patron saints. Yeah. With that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm JJ. And I'm Kat. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it ah. eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.